0: taking care of her I'm like great show me a picture send me a picture she's like I'll send you a picture from earlier it's much smoother as she puts it and she puts me a really cute picture she sends it to me and I'm like now you're freaking me out because anybody could have your phone and just send that right she's like and then so she's like oh my god you're such a smotherer (laughs) and then she sends me a picture of her eye and her eyebrow and I'm like that makes more concerned, but I knew it was only her who was going to call me a smother, so I was okay with that. Right? <laughs> code
1: words, code
0: words. Girl, all I want is it proof of life. Me. That's, that's all I want. Proof of life. Always. Always just, always. just send me a picture of your toe.
1: Wiggle it just a little bit. No,
0: girl. I want <laughs> an eye <laughs> or something. <laughs> something. Anything. I'm like, she's like, why well, look all tore up? I'm like, I don't care. So. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, so that was my uh, Saturday night.
1: The struggles of being a mom of a teenage girl.
0: Not even a teenager. My girl's
1: 21. But she still lives at home, so you worry whether she comes home or not at night.
0: Yeah, it's like in your face. Definitely. Well,. Well, wow.
1: interruptions, interruptions, interruptions <laughs> tonight. Girl, you,
0: wouldn't, you know it wouldn't be the right kind of podcast if we didn't have some sort of interruptions, whether oh, it's me Seriously. banging my teeth against a microphone, whether it's Shorty beating up your desk with her tail. or Louie
1: barking in the background. <laughs> That's Somebody great. playing the television really, really loud. In the or radio. Room. Forget radio. Oh, yeah. That, too. Hear the beat coming through the wall. Boom, 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 boom. This is our fancy schmancy studio.
0: <laughs> we got new sound blanket.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're trying this out to help the sound out just a little bit. A little
0: bit. It's fine, though. It's fine,
1: fine, fine. Right. So uh, anyways, I'm Alma. I'm Yvette. And this is Tipsy Tales.
0: This is Tipsy Tales.
1: Welcome aboard to the crazy train. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. It'll be around next week. It's fine. fine, it's okay. fine. <laughs>
1: All right, so it's uh, Hispanic Heritage Month.
0: Yay. Yay! And as you know, we're both...
1: Mexican-American. Yeah. Mexican-American. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's the rest of it? Girl, I must have drank too much because I just... As soon as you said it, you looked at me and I'm like, uh mexican-american American. apparently we're both dragon like <laughs> fuck okay it was like mexican-american they get up early in the morning they don't want to but they do it real slow <laughs> <laughs> You're like, apparently you didn't have a non on the house. I was playing Mexican music at like 530 in the morning saying, get up, lazy ass. Exactly. Still we, we weren't
1: allowed to sleep in on the weekends. God,
0: no. I know. I
1: used to hear that song and I'm like, I don't know any Mexican-Americans that don't like <laughs> I to get, get up. up. real slow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you hear that music, it's like, get up, yeah. jump out of bed and you're like, what, 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 what?
1: <laughs> and they do it on purpose.
0: Yeah. I got to say, I've been one of those moms and wives for that matter
1: yeah I think my husband's that he's that person in this family because I like <laughs> to sleep try to sleep in but he sometimes turn on turns on the music <laughs> so Do anyways we were uh, trying to get prepared for our hispanic
0: heritage month well you want to start off with the wine we're drinking oh yeah what's yeah. the wine so I actually couldn't find any mexican wines locally Maybe I just wasn't shopping in the right area, but I just couldn't find anything. Anything that remotely looked like a Mexican, South American name was usually from Palo Alto or (laughs) Northern California. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. I was just looking for, you know. Heritage Month. I was right. gonna bring margaritas, but lost interest midway. So. Well, you know it's Monday. I make good margaritas. Though. You I do. Your margaritas, margaritas. are the bomb. So, anyways, we are drinking a nice red Chilean wine, which I was good. I was worried about actually saying Chilean. So it's red. It's magic. It's from Chile. <laughs> <laughs> is it a blend girl I don't know I just said like, wine a chili I'm like that's the one I want running around total wine <laughs> it's called Momentos Carmenere, and 2016 so we fancy not we fancy really has now. a screw top but <laughs> it's fine 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 and it
1: actually is it's pretty good but I don't think I've tasted a wine yet while we're doing the podcast that I haven't said was pretty good <laughs> I know this. qué bueno. <laughs> so we decided to do a special podcast for Hispanic Heritage
0: Month. Yes, ma'am. And we each have our personal story. I'll let you a- go first because mine's probably not as um, well thought out as yours. Well, I don't know about well thought out. <laughs> Either way, whether we're Mexican, we're Puerto
1: Rican. Whichever way you came here, Guatemalan, Honduran, Nicaraguan, Spanish, Filipino, Colombiano, Cubano. Chilean. Chilean. <laughs> Peruvian. Uruguayan. Is yeah.
0: there a Uruguayan? I know there's Uruguay, but is that the way you say their name?
1: I don't know. <laughs> but... I know we miss somebody out there, but you know who you are. All our racial heritage is very diverse, you know, from European to African to Asian, and last but certainly not least, a rich South, Central, and North American Native culture. Our DNA, in whole or in part, can be traced back to the Iberian Peninsula, Spain, or Portugal, and we can call them conquerors or colonizers, but it's part of who we are as a people. And no matter what, we're all proud Americans.
0: Yep, yep. That's actually part of my little spiel before my story, but that's fine, Mama. I may miss. Wow. This may be repeated. It's okay. It's okay. So what was I, there's going to be
1: thought? a lot of this. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my apologies. We started a little bit early. We, we did. were chilling, had a conversation. It was deep, it was fun. We got a little silly. We were hurrying up and waiting. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what we were doing. <laughs> Take you pictures. Ah, tu sabes. Yeah, eating. Oh, yeah, that was some good bread. Mmm, it was delicious. Butter, cinnamon. Oh, so interesting fact, totally out of the blue, but I was talking to Talia yesterday. As you could tell, I have had my caffeine already today. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Talia said that when she was in Spain that she actually went to get a churro. And she's like, what the fuck is this shit? They don't have cinnamon and sugar churros in Spain. That is a Mexican thing really yeah she said they had some kind of jelly in it and i'm like well we have that sort of thing now but initially it was mostly just the sugar and uh, and cinnamon and i'm like so isn't that just bread And she's like that's what i said <laughs> i
1: i heard about uh one of my friends had went to spain as well and she was looking everywhere for chorizo and their chorizo is more like like a hard salami
0: yeah I yeah, think so
1: everything's more different.
0: And I have had some of that chorizo salami. It's pretty good. Gross on phase, face. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Really? So, so anyways, what um from your childhood, you remember?
1: Well, all right. So my dad came down here from Santa Barbara, uh, Chihuahua, in the early 1970s, and he met my mom. And they actually, they have an interesting story. Okay. Because they met at a party. Ooh. And... Well, wow, that's so, not a
0: weird, ooh. No, I yeah.
1: just meant like, yay. <laughs> I probably was conceived at that point. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. Um, so anyway, so you meet at a party, and they hit it off really well. And my mom's like, so where do you work? And he says, I work at the Billie Jean. At the Billy Jean restaurant. <laughs> My mom's like, okay. <laughs> so then, like, I don't, you know, it's not that nobody has cell phones or whatever. Right. Um, they hit it off, and my mom goes looking for him, like, that week, you know. She's like, I really like this guy. She's looking for a billy Jean restaurant <laughs> all over Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> so how old was your mom at about this time? Um, she was early 20s. Okay. Early I tw- she, she was probably 20. Okay. She was about 20 years old. So anyways... <laughs> She can't find a Billie Jean restaurant because there is no Billie Jean restaurant in Albuquerque, New Mexico in 1971. <laughs> there probably isn't now. I don't think there ever was a Billie Jean restaurant. There was a Village Inn restaurant. <laughs> and that's where my dad worked. <laughs> I don't know quite how that got straightened out. Maybe they saw each other at another party. And he's like, no, I work at the Billie Jean. The Billy Jean. You know where they make the pancakes? <laughs> they have the breakfast? <laughs> She's like, oh,
0: Billy Jean. I got it. Got it. Ding, ding, ding.
1: So anyways, they hook up. Uh, my mom was raised by her grandparents, uh, okay. my great-grandparents. And, of course, they're very superstitious. And at the time, my dad was driving a big black curse. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. And my grandpa was like, uh, you can't park that in front of my house. You need to take that and park <laughs> it down the street. You need to
0: take that shit way over there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he did. So, anyways, um, that's how I began. Okay. Then we moved down here to Phoenix, Arizona. I was probably about six years old. And the rest...
0: History. There you go. How about you? Well, um, I don't have a story like that, per se. Um, I actually was thinking about that while you were talking. So I was listening, though. <laughs> <laughs> So I actually am between second and fourth generation here, depending on what grandparent you decide, um, which wasn't just um, was just found out just recently. But one of my cousins, Eric, who actually loves going into the genealogy and everything else like that. Right. He actually traced us back to about the 1700s, which is super cool. I don't really know too much about my dad's, which he's part of my dad's side of the family. So I really don't know too much about that side. However, with my grandmother, it's a little bit different or my mom's side, should I say, my my grandfather was actually they're born in LA and they decided to go back to Torreon Chihuahua hmm Oh, your, think your so, family's yeah. from
1: Chihuahua, too? Yeah. Oh, really? Well,
0: I didn't actually even realize that. Imagine my surprise and how dumb I felt when I was telling one of the girls at my work. And she's like, oh, so your family's from Chihuahua, too? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> 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 I just know from there, from Thordion. Um, from what I understand, and again, I can't... I haven't done the research in regards to that, but I guess my, gra- my great-grandmother was French. My grandfather was Native American, Mexican. But there were stories that she was actually around... Um, when the War of Pancho Villa was oh going God. on, and so every she...
1: grandmother tells the Pancho Villa story, right?
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like hiding you. your kids and stuff, so. My grandfather came over at a very young age to the United States. He was legal here, they just moved back, so he was here. My grandmother was actually already here and he lured her away, Um, I think he was in those times, and bear with me here, because it sounds really creepy, but my grandpa was probably about 18 years old and my grandma was 15, so they started their family. Um, I think I've always been in Arizona, to be real honest with you. My mom and them moved up and down um, California, Northern California, they, they spend a lot of time at Casa de Fruta, that kind of stuff.
1: What's Casa de Fruta?
0: It's actually a house of fruit. <laughs> no, it's, okay. I think they used to have a lot of fruit and they used to do a lot of field work and, and pick fruits and so on and so forth. They actually lived there on the campgrounds as well. So, um, Oh, like Campesito? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, which my mom and them always like romanticized living there. Cause it was one of the best times that they actually had growing up. It right. wasn't so much the struggle. And it's funny that you mentioned that your mom was brought up with your, um, with your grandparents, because for the most part, I kind of was at a relatively young age brought up with my grandma. So with that being said, um, I'm literally native from here. From here I'm all left the here? way around,
1: mm-hmm. you mentioned that you guys have some, well, I mean, of course, all of us were right. mestizos mm-hmm. in some way or shape or another, mm-hmm. unless, you know, somehow your family escaped. Uh, we have on my dad's side, I'm told that we have Tarahumara. Okay. So what's that? It's a Native American tribe.
0: Okay, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, they're they're famous for running.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that why you run so fast? Almost? I was waiting for you to be uh, like, I run so
1: fast. I do not run fast. <laughs> <laughs> Remember what I told you? If you ever see me running, <laughs> trust me. But if I saw something pretty
0: scary, I'd probably I could light a fire, fire under my ass. <laughs> okay, well, we went to um, Fossil Creek one time and there was a rattlesnake <laughs> i was oblivious i'm like huh I almost like ah, ah, ah running taking off and i'm like why is she yelling because
1: <laughs> there
0: was a rattlesnake under my towel oh girl that freaked me out i would have passed out on the spot from right. arizona and all i just can't do snakes they freak me out
1: yeah same um keeping it on the subject of hispanic heritage month uh-huh. what were some artists that influenced you growing up
0: You know what, girl? I honestly got to say, I don't have any name of specific artists. And I thought about that yesterday. And I'm like, well, I can come up with this, or I can come up with that. But then that's not who I am and I'd be I'd honestly be lying so I don't and I'm not gonna do that so the only artist in all honesty um because I grew up in a very small town the only artists that I found were amazing were the ones that actually um would paint murals on the walls there in Tolleson beautiful big murals one was by Dr. DeMoss's office and if you're from the West Valley you know who that is because I think he was the only doctor in the West Valley yeah just the different colors and then they would then they started painting some of the racquetball courts and so on and so forth but yeah to be honest with you for me, saying that, oh, I love art and I love this artist in one way or the other in regards to... Like even to...
1: singers like uh, like Selena.
0: Well, now that you say that. Okay, so music. <laughs> so for me, music I wise. mean, music-wise, um, honestly, for me, I feel like Although music was important, like I mentioned, we woke up to um, my grandma playing Vicente Fernandez, Socio right. Ducal, Chenta was part Juan of all Cabrillo. of our lives, yeah. right? <laughs> right. So, you know, Isabel Pantoja, although I think she's more Spanish than she is Mexican. Right. So, or Latin on this end rather than the other end. So, yes. Um, that did. Um, but my biggest thing, I guess, in regards to, and I don't know if you can call this Mexican heritage or not, but I've always had a love for cars. And my cars were, which you would, I guess it's more diverse now, but I felt like at that time, Impalas, um, old Impalas were, they felt like they were like Mexican heritage because right. they sat there, they fixed them up. They kept them when they're no longer in style. There was never, and it wasn't even just Impalas, it was Rivies. It was whatever the case may be. But I honestly got to say if I won the lottery, I'd probably go from like 69 to 70 and buy each one of the years hard top and convertible. Wow. Yeah. you have a, a huge garage full of cars. Those are big cars. So I'd have low to riders, have really long ones.
1: Low riders are just like completely You revamped?
0: know what? I honestly, I, I kind of go back and forth because I love the way low riders actually look because when the skirts ride low, they're beautiful. You just see the white walls. Those lines are just gorgeous. But then at the same time for me, older. I wouldn't want to cut into anything. Right. I wouldn't just want to destroy it. it. I that's exactly so it's it. Original. I'd probably restore it, keep the skirts on and yeah, I think I'd want it more restored than I wanted anything else. So
1: So how about movies? Mexican-American movies. Like okay, I'm going to just tell <laughs> you go ahead, for go me. you for me, my family, me familia. Boulevard Nights. Like the things that we grew up that are that are specifically Mexican-American. Yes. You know what I mean?
0: yeah no I totally get that Um, Milagro
1: Beanfield Wars for me like the first time I saw that I identified with it like I, I was like that's us you know you see us on TV and, and it's rare. It's so rare and few and far between, especially when we were that young.
0: Definitely. I guess for me, I think if I were to see my family, because again, I did grow up with my grandmother, it's La Bamba. And Ooh. I think everybody can oh, yeah. relate to that. Yes. But it's definitely La because we had the black sheep. We had the really good one. You had you Bob. Know what I mean? we, ha- <laughs> yeah, we had Bob. <laughs> we had Bob. We had Richie. I mean, they both loved their mom to death. You right. know, it was kind of the same fight in regards to the mom loving the good one more and it's not even that's the case. It's just one getting always you, know, you know the story. So right. I'm pretty sure everybody has I mean, literally everybody has that situation in one form or way in their family. So they all relate. But yeah, the Bomba's one of my one of the ones that I kind of related to One that I watch over and over and over again, which isn't so much Mexican-American, it's more just Mexican, is um, El Ley de Monte, is a movie that Vicente Fernandez came out on. Mm -hmm. I think I remember that. I play that over and over again, especially when we're all drunk. I play the one main scene. (laughs) Okay, can you do that for us today? Uh, Sing that? No, thanks. I just snorted a little bit ago. I don't think singing's coming anyway. <laughs> okay. All right, so we did
1: movies. We did music what else is there.
0: Art you didn't mention any of the artists that you like.
1: Oh well reading. okay. Rudolfa Naya. Bless me Ultima. Okay. Ultima. Ultima Ultima. It's like one of my favorite stories. it's this it's not a it's not a long book but it's okay. like one of those stories that I don't know. I just really identified uh, with a little kid in them book it's it's literally like it's this kid and it's this little old lady that she's a curandera and not that i have any curanderas in my life <laughs> but she just reminded me of my grandma I hear you and right. and he she kind of like guides through him through a difficult period in his life where everything's changing around him his brothers have gone to war and are coming back from war and their little town is like changing and also he's getting older yeah. And becoming a man. So, I don't know. It's one of those... It's one of those very endearing stories. And, of course, there's that little bit of magic in it. Yeah. That really gets, gets me. I like stories like that that have some magic.
0: I, um... Because of the way we grew up, I... Don't, I tend to avoid anything magic, so I can appreciate <laughs> what you're saying. Um, I feel like I lived in a little box, considering where I grew up in um, very small country, little, not even a full quarter mile squared. So I, not that I don't feel like I was limited, but I guess maybe it was just the way I grew up and the closed mind that we grew up. That didn't really expand my mind to in regards to that. Um, although, if I had to say, with all the, some of the books that I've read, the only one that I've really read that was... It's called A Family Affair by Victor Rivers. And um, anybody who's seen Bound by Honor, he's the hot one. Ooh. <laughs> the Real Light Honey Eyes. Oh, you know what? We have that book. Albert Albert's read it. It is a great book. His What it comes down to is his mom used to be abused, physically abused by his dad the word i'm looking for he actually is against that for lack of anything a better way to say he's it. an advocate he's there you go i wanted to say an advocate but i wasn't sure i'm like wait so yeah he's he's very against all that he's an advocate he has his website you can donate to that so yeah so if you ever get a chance though read that book if albert has it here yeah it's he a great it.
1: book all right. What story do you have
0: today? Okay, since you were kind of mentioned it already um, earlier today, I actually had my own little, well, not womp well, well, but my whole little thing in regards to Hispanic Heritage oh. Month as well. So I just pretty much sit in here. Um, I'm American. I was born here in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm between second and fourth generation being here, um, just depending on which family member that you count. So um, as we talked about, when me and Alma actually talked yesterday, or didn't even talk, I am yesterday in regards to um, Hispanic Heritage Month, I kind of had a hard time going back and forth. Um, I did some research in regards to true crimes, um, just reading about the femicide happening in the in Mexican border cities in South America, um, looking at different serial killers, and I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel... I just don't feel it's right to add the negative condemnation to Hispanic people condemnation to the Hispanic people. Because at the end of the day, although I feel like femicide is definitely something that is a problem, I think it's happening throughout the whole world and not just South America or Mexico. And to focus on Latin America under those, under the guise of heritage much, it just didn't feel right. Because that, that kind of rhetoric's kind of going around and not to get political, but I feel like with that rhetoric floating around it kind of puts a bad taste for what's the word I'm looking for
1: for immigrants in, in general. Right, and, and not it, only
0: that, but it also condemns like with that rhetoric, it condemns family, friends, and loved ones. Right. You know, we have husbands, we have kids, and when sometimes some sometimes, and I'm not saying this no, across generalize. the board, but they generalize exactly. Right. And there sometimes they don't see a difference between Mexican American and Mexicans. And not that it should even matter. Right. Does that make sense? Okay. No, and that's exactly
1: why I wanted to do this, because I feel like there's so much negativity out in the news right now, and no matter what side of the aisle you are with your politics i feel like as hispanic americans and some people don't like the word hispanic but i'm using it right now as hispanic americans because of all the negativity and all of the the political football that's being thrown around about immigration no matter how you feel about it what side you're on i feel like sometimes we just feel i don't want to say picked on but you start to like almost like embarrassed is not the word you're just you don't feel as proud as you want to be because everybody's like looking at the negative and
0: it has that negative like I said negative condemnation I'm trying trying to say that word right but drinking wine connotation yeah yeah sure but it's also condemning them in a negative way as well so right so anyways so like to celebrate
1: our culture and what our culture has added to America and brought to America as far as food and flavor and art and music and language and the names of states Montana California, Florida, we are so ingrained in the right. American culture and tacos and, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, I just feel like, you know, we're so ingrained in the American culture. Like, I hate to be looked at as other. Right. I because agree. we, Hispanic culture has literally been here in the Americas since like the 1500s yeah and the native american part of our culture has been here way longer than that yeah. so i don't know sometimes you just feel down on yourself or down on the culture because of the way other people are looking
0: at, at us. you yeah. yeah and i totally that has get nothing that. to do with us no i hear you and that's so, kind of my biggest thing is that I'll when i was looking at this <laughs> <laughs> i'm like scoot over <laughs> so anyways so even though i get that when i was looking at that i was trying to be like okay yeah I was focusing on the wrong thing, and even though we are about true crime and we really are about the paranormal, I want to do something. Even though alongside with that, I want to do something that was not just not to insult them, anybody. Right. Do you know what I mean? Any gender, anybody. So, um, with that said, I, I I do love being American. I do love my Mexican heritage. Um, it's filled with richness. It's filled with culture that's cross time and borders, and through all that, we continue to push forward regardless of what's going right. on. So who's it so my story, um with that in mind, I did do a true crime and I even though it does have to do with true crime, it was also a struggle for this person um to push forward in order to in order to achieve that American dream. It's obviously Selena, which I mentioned. Earlier. Oh my god. <laughs> Although in all honesty, because um my husband doesn't speak, even though he's Mexican, and both my kids are obviously Mexican because I'm Mexican. American. Uh, yeah, Mexican American. My apologies because some Mexicans get mad. Right. Um,
1: <laughs> so. Um, what, what did uh, Selena's dad? Oh,
0: I have that quote on here. Oh my, you're getting ahead of me. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, I'll let you. I know, it's I'm hard sorry. because we've all saw these. Anything, I wasn't into a lot of Mexican music. I was, listen, I was actually listening to a lot of older Mexican music of, of more of the time that I grew up with, which is probably already old. So for me, when Selena had passed away, I didn't realize what a huge impact she had until I was actually reading some of this. So people who've already done the history are going to probably correct me left and right. I do apologize. I'm doing the best I can. I know there's Selena lovers out there, so I believe me, I'm doing the best I can. Celia Quintanilla was born in April 16th, 1971 in, in Lake Jackson, Texas. She was the youngest child of Marcella Quintanilla and Abraham Quintanilla, um, who was a former musician. She was actually raised as Jehovah's Witness. Um, her dad noticed her musical abilities and then was when she was about six years old, and then mentioned in People Magazine in an interview that her timing, her pitch was perfect and they could see it from day one. Some like thinking, was she singing at, at the meetings? And that's how he was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's see here in 1980 in Lake, in lake jackson texas her dad opened his first tex mexican restaurant papagayos where selena and her siblings abraham the third on bass and Suzette Quintanilla on the drums would often perform the following year the restaurant unfortunately was forced to close after recession caused by the 1980s oil glut um the family declared bankruptcy and were evicted from their home they settled in Corpus Christi, Texas. Christy, Christy, did I what did I say? You said crispy. Crispy. <laughs> Too much <laughs> wine. My apologies. I apologize. <laughs> so um, Abraham Quintanilla became a manager of the newly formed band Selena y los Dinos. He began promoting as much as he could. They needed the money, and they played on street corners, weddings, quinceañeras, at the fairs, anywhere they can pretty much book a gig. Her popularity slowly began to grow. Uh, the demands of her perfor- of Selena's performance and travel schedule began interfere with her um, schoolwork so a lot of the teachers actually expressed some concern because they she was coming into class super tired they didn't felt they did not feel like that was the appropriate situation for a little girl to be up late at night doing music gigs and still trying to go into school so they didn't they didn't approve of that lifestyle so eventually um, he took her out of school and started doing homeschool so at 17 um, Selena earned a high school diploma and was also accepted to Louisiana state university she ended up enrolling into pacific western university taking up business administration as her major subject so she was still i didn't even know that yeah they said that her data refurbished an old bus which totally reminds me of the movie because all i could think (laughs) anything for salinas that's all i remember whether that was actually true or not i couldn't tell you but they named it Big Bertha, like they noted in the movie. Um, they use it as their bus tours. Um, the first, the first year of touring, the family sang for food and barely had enough money to even pay for gas. Wow. Suck. In nineteen eighty four, she actually Selena actually recorded her first LP, Selena y los Dinos, for Freddie Records, despite wanting to record an english language song um, she actually started recording Tejano music um, it's a male-dominated Spanish language genre popularized by Mexicans living in the United States Abraham believes Selena should record musical compositions related to her heritage um, during the recording sessions for the album Selena actually had to learn Spanish so it's very much American mexican-american like us um, which she was but he would actually uh, teach her Spanish and he would um, talk he would teach her phonetically right so um, she had Selena appeared on the Johnny Canales show, a popular Spanish-language radio program, on um, which she continued to appear for for years. Um, she was then eventually discovered by musician Rick Trevino, Founder of the Hano Music Awards, where she won Female Vocalist of the Year award in 1987, and then she won it for nine consecutive years afterwards. Nine consecutive years. This is wow. nine. They said the band was awfully turned down um, in the Texas music scene because they um, because of her their age, and then secondary um, because Selena was the lead singer. The, the, her because dad was, it was obviously told to Yeah, it was exactly that. It was a male-dominated um, genre. Um, in 1988, Selena had released five more LPs which I didn't realize how many records she actually put out there. Jose Barrera, newly formed label of EMI Latin Records, together with the new head of Sony Latin Records, watched Selena perform in the 1989 Tejano Music Awards. Bejar was searching for a new Latin act and wanted to sign Selena to the EMI's label Capitol Records. Uh, While Sony Music Latin offered Quintana twice the the capital signing fee, Barrera thought he had discovered the next Gloria Estefan, but his superiors called him illogical because, because he had only been in south texas for like a week but he saw the kind of fan base that was starting to come up in regards to her hey. dad dadager manager i know they have momager but this is dadager which i kind of typed out fanatically <laughs> <laughs> Uh, chose EMI Latin offer because the potential for a crossover album, because eventually what they wanted to do, um, he wanted his children to be the first musicians to sign to the specific label as well. Before Selena began recording her debut album, she had actually requested a crossover album. However, um, they just didn't feel like they felt like she needed a bigger fan base before she could. They would even give her the opportunity to be able to do so. Right. So that project was completely denied. Selena released her self-titled debut in October 17, 1989. Her brother A.B. became at that point her principal record producer and songwriter for the majority of her music career. As it, Selena peaked at number 7 on the U.S. Billboard's Regional Mexican Albums Charts, becoming Selena's first recording to debut in the National Music Charts. The album performed better than other recordings from other Tejana female singers. So it was about this time that Chris Perez um, joined their group. (laughs) Dun, 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 no. Um, I guess he was the band's new guitarist. Um, He did start having romantic feelings for her, but it looks like he actually had a girlfriend in San Antonio, if if I remember correctly. So after they went um, on a tour to Mexico, he decided at that point he was going to distance himself from her. He He eventually found that pretty much impossible and then chose to try to build a relationship with Selena at that time. Um, they ended up both expressing, you know, their feelings for each other at a, like a local pizza hut or pizza joint. They Made did famous, keep, right? In the movie. <laughs> with the little chile in the little pocket like a gun. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I like that chile too." <laughs> so they actually kept a secret obviously because they didn't want the dad to be upset and break it up which although you were all cheering for the relationship to to do you know to do well in the actual movie you can understand as a parent you're like you're young right you don't need to have this going on so selena released her second studio album Ven Conmigo in September 1990. Three tracks were released from that album and were released as singles. One of them a Tejano Cumbia song became one of Selena's most successful songs. It's about this time that a Yolanda Saldivar asked Selena's dad to do a fan club for her. Um, the dad thinking that it was a great idea, it would expand her fan base. Um, he eventually agreed for her to go ahead and do that. Um, she ended up becoming a close friend to Selena and the family, and she was trusted, with the act- trusted as the acting president of the fan club in 1991. So Selena's sister Suzette found out that Selena and Perez were flirting, Um, eventually out of them to the dad. Dad got real upset, obviously, told him to stop the relationship. Later on, he finds out that it's still going on. He fires Perez and calls him a cancer in the family, threatens to completely disband the group unless they stop the relationship. So... You can understand those fights between Selena and her dad. I bet. (laughs) Although I'm thinking to myself, didn't all of us girls at one point in time, regardless of race, have an argument with their dad about the boy that they probably weren't supposed to date? I think
1: so.
0: (laughs) And my dad had some doozies. (laughs) (laughs) Same. so what happens of course they sneak around like every young couple does they sneak around and eventually elope Hoping every young couple that has
1: a strict father at yeah. the helm of the family
0: that's just happens so you know, <laughs> they eloped like okay it's like saying go do that right exactly <laughs> Um, before they could even tell the family it comes out on the radio and again this is all in the movie so you could, you're probably getting a very generalized version of it but it comes out of the movie she expected the dad to open his arms and be like welcome to the family like they portrayed in the movie but this definitely was not the case the dad was really really upset um, it took him a while to actually accept um, Perez and he, I guess he said that he was afraid that being that that like machismo kind of Mexican trait that some men have would pretty much um, stop proper career, have her stay home, kids, all that other greatness. Right. Because
1: he knew himself, right? right?
0: <laughs> As he's <laughs> shoving his kids out the door. Another big thing is that she didn't speak very good Spanish, so then after her success of one of her albums, they actually um, did a high-profile press tour in Monterey, Mexico. And that, in the movie, like, sorry to interrupt No, you. it's okay,
1: go ahead. But it, in the movie, that was one of the things that made me identify with her the mm-hmm. most, that she, like, she sings these songs from the heart, like, Spanish is, like, her Her first, first language. language, yeah. And to hear that she, it was, you know, that she didn't really un- speak Spanish no. fluently, which I don't speak Spanish same. fluently. I understand yeah. everything in Spanish, but to get me to speak it to you, I don't have the confidence same. always. Yeah. Girl,
0: I get around. Maybe some Spanglish <laughs> here and there, but not
1: always the confidence to speak a, a, a full fluent. Yeah. yeah. And
0: I'm the same way, girl. I, I feel that exact same way, especially when you're talking to somebody who is fluent. Sometimes you're like, you can have to slow down for me just a little bit. Again, and you know what? And it's funny because um, just the same way it was in the movie, they actually were paranoid. They were like, oh, my God, she's not going to do well. What do you mean she don't speak Spanish? I mean, they were completely flipping out. But they said that she went out there, may, you know, talk to all the reporters, was very friendly, just kind of won, won everybody over. over. Yeah. So by the time that the um, conference was over, all the all the mexican newspapers and so on and so forth were starting to call her the artist of the people and they do mention this which i, I didn't uh, they do mention this in this article which i didn't think it was kind of fair because one of the reasons why they called her the artist of the people is because she wasn't um like if you look at novellas a lot of them are light complected you know you know blonde hair so on and so forth and they said that they guess they felt that that was an artist that looked more like them dark right. hair dark eyes Morenita, I'm right. um, dark complexion, so I'm like, hey, I'm Mexican too. <laughs> and have you seen Alma? That's, that's exactly <laughs> what exactly. she is. <laughs> That watching novellas made me identify.
1: Like growing up in the Southwest, I'm a light complected, Alert eyed, green eyes, beautiful. like whatever. So, <laughs> i I never felt like I fit in, especially okay. like going to high school or whatever. Like because it's you know all the other girls are. I'm tall, they're short. I was gonna say that same thing. I'm like mine was tall. Ugh. I'm light like, complected. They're they're nah. darker than I am, and so I never felt like I fit in anywhere except for when I was watching novellas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I, those, they all were like blonde, blonde, colored like, eyes. Colorized. That honestly, be- like I'm, like I, I've always been, like my sister, dark complected. Like, she's, like, got the olive skin. She's got curly black hair. She had the almond eyes. Growing up, I was always super jealous of her. I agree. To me, like, being light-colored was a disadvantage growing up.
0: You know, I gotta say the same thing, because I kind of felt that same way. I don't have the colored eyes. I'm very, very light-complected, though, and I've always have been. But my daughter beautiful mocha skin the prettiest colored eyes and all in general that's the biggest reason why when you say um have pride in the mexican heritage because we honestly from run the gamut of colors eye colors tall short everything so right we're all all women are beautiful right Okay, so again, um, after the press junket, um, she was playing concerts throughout Mexico. It looks like there was one again. I keep referencing the movie because right. I love the movie so much. But there was one where they there was so many people that actually showed up that was supposed to. Um, one concert was attended by seventy thousand people, um, and then that's where that's where I think the first time she actually sang "Como la Flor." and that's i think it's why they actually put that in the movie i love that song i could hear that all day long (laughs) i sit there and put it real loud and pretend like i can sing it and the dog howls in the background
1: i remember there was a time where i was like playing that song back to back
0: (laughs) (laughs) as our poor husbands are like not again okay not again there's more songs on that cd Yeah, so she won a bunch of awards. She won a Grammy. I mean, just... Multi-talented. She, multi-talented, beautiful personality. I think she related to a lot of the people. She almost seemed approachable. She just seemed like... And if you look at a lot of her interviews, you just seemed like a regular person. Right, because she so, was. Yeah, and it just, I think that was probably her appeal as well. So, And I laugh at this because as we're talking about the Monterey um, press junket, um, there was a quote in the movie that I always laugh at because... It really is true. Um, and you had just mentioned that earlier. And it says, well, it's, a, it's a part where they're all driving in the car. And Abraham Quintanilla says, We got to prove to the Mexican how Mexican we are. We got to prove to the Americans how American we are. We got to be more Mexican than the Mexican <laughs> and more American than the American, both at the same time. And it's exhausting. Nobody <laughs> knows how tough it is to be a Mexican American. It is so true. <laughs> and I so remember I, I hearing that and I was like, Oh, my God. You felt it right deep down in your yeah. soul, right? You're like, <laughs> I always felt that way. I just didn't know how to explain it. Like, even for,
1: like, with my dad, because I didn't speak Spanish, but I understood everything he said, and I was very stubborn. Like, he's, contesta in en tu propia idioma, and I'm like, What's oh. idioma? I would yeah.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> so... Besides the music venture, she actually went into um, fashion as well. They called her the Mexican Madonna. She did the whole cute little, like literally tops, sequins, everything. Yeah, <laughs> girl, she had it. She What's was What's a doing bustier? It. Right, girl, she made fat asses be- <laughs> in style.
1: <laughs> Before the Kardashians. Right,
0: I'm just saying. And Jennifer Lopez, I remember my? They were saying, oh no, no, when the movie came out, she had to put nalgas. She had to put butt inside her pants. And I'm really? like, really? Did she? So. No, no Carl, Jennifer Lopez no, 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 no. has an ass. My husband's like, I don't think so. And he's like, look, <laughs> look at this movie and that movie. I'm like, wow, apparently my husband's been looking at some ass. <laughs> so, but obviously that was not the case. Jennifer Lopez had a whole ass on her own that could, yeah. Fundiosa. <laughs> okay, so um, with that being said, though, after doing her fashion line, it looks like um, Yolanda, Yolanda, who was they actually had expanded her role from the president fan club to actually being a manager to some of these boutiques. Um, so the problem was is that the employees started to complain after a little bit because she started dismissing um, some of the employees she didn't really care for. There were regular complaints about her with you know going from the employees to some even the designers some of her erratic decisions and of course Selena being naive say no 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 she she'd never do that she always has my best interest in heart at heart that very was very trusting. Yeah. So it just turns out later on, after they actually the staff actually started calling Abraham rather than um, taking up these complaints with Selena. That he, that Abraham actually started looking at a at a lot of these things. He started getting complaints that the fans weren't getting some of the stuff that they had, they, they weren't getting some of their their stuff. Period, that they were actually ordering or or supposedly to get from the fan club at all. So when he did that, he actually found some canceled checks that um, were being directed straight to her account. Um, there was more than thirty thousand dollars of just forged checks
1: oh shit
0: so when they actually found these forged checks they actually it was um abraham suzette which is selena's sister and um selena actually met with yolanda salivar to ask her about them present it to her and of course in absolute fashion she denies she denies everything they just told her that if she didn't provide the records that they're gonna go ahead and get the police involved which sounds about right so selena didn't want to dissolve that friendship because i guess she had a a lot of financial and um, records that she needed, tax stuff and so on and so forth. So she kind of probably kept her at a distance, but at the same time continued to be her friend. So as she continues to kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? So she actually kind of strings Selena along, like, oh, I'm going to get you those records. Oh, I'm going to get you those records. And then she never does. So whenever it gets to the point to where Selena's going to get these records, she has an excuse. And in this case, she said that she was raped while she was in Monterey, Mexico. Oh, my God. Are you serious? So Selena, being the good person she is, grabs her, picks her up. Have you seen that woman? Takes her to the hospital. I know girl, I know, takes to the hospital. Um, and, it, and there's a couple different conflicting articles. she's a compassionate articles. person. Yeah, she's just a good, it seemed, like I said, she, honestly, it really looked like she was really this who she was, so who she portrayed. Angry. And so um, she took her to the hospital, you know, concerned about her. And, the, and there was a couple, like I said, different conflicting articles saying that, one said that they, she didn't allow the doctor to actually um, examine her. Another one was saying that the hospital couldn't examine her because they were out of their jurisdiction. Like, I guess they went to um, the hospital. I believe it was in like San Antonio, but they're supposed to go somewhere else because a rape happened somewhere else. And then the other one was saying that the doctors actually found no evidence of rape at all. On top of everything, she's a pathological liar. Pretty much. So again, after stringing Selena along, um, she eventually uh, she eventually says, hey, we're going to meet at this hotel. And so Selena finally is like, finally, get my damn records, get me the fuck out of here, whatever. So she um, agrees to meet with her. So it looks like, I don't know why I didn't um, put this state on here for whatever reason. I think I might have accidentally cut it out. But um, she actually met with her. Um, Salivar got a gun out from her purse and pointed it at Selena. As, a, as Selena attempted to leave, she actually shot her once on the right lower shoulder, severing an artery and causing severe blood loss. So her being freaked out, scared, she's just been shot, gets up, runs towards the lobby. She leaves a 390 foot long trail of blood. She ends up collapsing on the floor, as a clerk called emergency services with Salabar still chasing after her, calling her a bitch.
1: Are you serious? Yeah. I remember this story. Just, it's just like hearing it over. Just, this makes me so angry because she was put in a trusted position and she took advantage of and that. she took advantage. And not only did she take advantage, she, yeah, she, she takes killed her, her life. Yeah. Like just and taking, I mean, at the height I'll- of her career and not that that, that's
0: the most important thing. Like at the height of her life, yeah, like she took it all away from very her. Young. She took her away from her family. She took her away from her friends, her husband. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally agree makes with me that. So, mad. so, but before she collapsed um, on the floor, she actually told the um, hotel attendant that who had actually shot her. Well, at least that. I mean, so she she did that. She gave um, who Salvars want to shot her, and gave her the number of a room that they had actually met on. Meanwhile, Salivar jumps in her truck, attempts to leave. Um, However, she was spotted by the responding police cruiser. Uh, She actually surrendered after a nine and a half hour standoff with police and the FBI. By that time, hundreds of fans had gathered at the scene. Many wept as police took Salivar away. So Selena was dead on arrival at Corpus Christi Hospital. The attending emergency room physician made the decision to attempt to revive her. Cardiologist Louis Elkins continued the treatment and performed surgery based on the emergency room's physician's decision. Doctors were able to establish an erratic heartbeat long enough to transfer her to the trauma room. After 50 minutes of surgery, she was pronounced dead from blood loss and cardiac arrest at 1.05 p.m. An autopsy was performed on the same day due to an overwhelming media interest. Um, it was revealed that the bullet had, had entered Selena's upper right back near her shoulder blade, passed through her chest cavity, severed the right subclavian artery, and exited her right upper chest. Doctor says that if a bullet had only been one millimeter higher or lower, that the wound would have been less severe. So in October, 1995, a Houston jury convicted Salabar of first-degree murder and sentenced her to a life in prison with the possibility of parole in 30 years, which would be in 2025. That bitch. Right? She has to be the most... Hated. Hated Mexican-American woman... Ever. ever. Um, I don't know if I noted this on here, but I thought I read somewhere where they actually had to keep her in complete isolation 23 hours of the day simply because there were so many um Selena fans that they were constantly threatening to kill her. And it makes me so mad because I'm like starting to
1: cry <laughs> while you're telling this story because... Not only did I identify with her because of the whole like not speaking Spanish thing but because even the witness thing because you and I both grew
0: up in that and just being able to identify somebody in popular culture who we that actually rubble. could relate to and it wasn't like it was Argentinian or it was like you see a lot of oh, novelas was... they don't have a lot of Mexican American people. And I think that having somebody that was Mexican American didn't speak a whole lot of Spanish. I mean, listen to totally the same relatable. music we we listen to, very personable, you know, very comes off very likable. I can definitely understand how her fan base was just amazingly huge. And devastated. Yeah, devastated. oh my gosh. Unfortunately, that was actually the life with the possibility of parole was the maximum prison term allowed in Texas that could be imposed at that time. In 2002, which I found odd, under a judge's order, the gun used to kill Selena was destroyed and pieces were thrown into the Corpus Christi Bay. <laughs> Fans and historians disapproved of the decision to destroy the gun, saying that the event was historical and the gun should have been in a museum. So I'm gonna go over about the impact now, now that we kind of got that stuff out of the way. Um, I don't want to give Salazar too much. Salivar? Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, who cares? (laughs) Um, They said that Selena's murder had a widespread impact. Reactions to her death were compared to those of the deaths of musicians John Lennon, um, Elvis Presley, John F. Kennedy. They said major television networks Interrupted their regular programming to break in the to break in the news. They again had referred to her in the American news as the Mexican Madonna. Her death was a front page in New, at the New York Times for two days. Numerous visuals and memorials were held in her honor. The radio stations in Texas played her music nonstop. Her funeral drew sixty thousand mourners, many of them who traveled from outside of the United States. The news struck the Hispanic community extremely hard. Many fans traveled thousands of miles to see Selena's house and boutiques, and even the crime scene. By mid-afternoon, police were asked to form a detour because a line of cars began backing up traffic from Quintanilla's home. An issue of People magazine was released several days after her murder. Its publishers believed interest would soon wane, so they got that out quickly. They released a commemorative issue within a week when it became apparently that it was growing. Um, The issue sold nearly a million copies, selling the first entire first and second print runs within two weeks. Wow. It actually became a collector's item, a first in history of, of People magazine. Betty Cortina, editor of People, told Biography that they never had an issue that was completely sold out, that it was completely unheard of. In the following months, the company released... People in Espanol aimed at the Hispanic market due to the success of the Selena issue. This was followed by Newsweek's in Espanol and Latina magazine. A few days later, I'm gonna get you real mad right now. <laughs> <laughs> A few days later, howard stern marked selena's murder and burial poked fun at her mourners and criticized her music stern said this music does absolutely nothing for me alvin and the chipmunks have more soul spanish people have the worst taste in music they have no depth stern's comments outraged and infuriated the hispanic community in texas stern played selena songs with gunshots in the background on oh his my show. god are you su- mm-hmm. i forgot that i forgot about that yeah. i literally forgot about that i was surprised because a lot of the stuff I didn't know I, I had I no idea I didn't remember the gunshots in the background yeah um, oh after that a disorderly con- girl <laughs> believe me I can't even imagine not because she was a musician but how about has some fucking tact and I know he's not known to have tact in his show I mean, but there's w- some borders that you known don't for cross. Being a shock
1: jock but,
0: that's but at too the much. same time that's
1: that's you know what i really mean that's cost.
0: somebody's child exactly. you know what i mean that's someone's wife that's someone's sister right so um let's see a disorderly conduct arrest warrant was issued in his name stern made an on-air statement in spanish saying his comments were not made to cause more anguish to her family friends or those who loved her stern was not formally charged they say the league of united latin american citizens boycotted stern's shows Finding his apology completely unacceptable. Texas retailers removed any products that related to Stern while Sears and McDonald's sent a letter stating their disapproval of Stern's comments to the media because some fans had actually believed that those companies sponsored Stern's show. Um, within a week on NBC, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Stern, and Robert Quivers, which is his co-host. Um, Robin. Mm-hmm, were asked whether Stern's remarks about Selena were acceptable. Quivers decided not to talk about the situation to to avoid arguing with Stern when linda ronstadt a pop singer of mexican american heritage appeared on the show she and quivers argued when ronstadt defended selena i'm like i love linda ronstadt yeah i do too and even when i read that i was like fuck yeah so on april 12 1995 two weeks after selena's death oh my god
1: okay so 1995 april 1995 albert and i got married in march of 1995 really yeah that's it just almost that's more than 20 years ago that this happened and it feels like it didn't Happened that long ago girl i uh. still
0: think the 70s are not that long ago
1: <laughs> i still think that the 90s were not that long ago right same i don't know about the 70s The 70s i was like a young kid
0: but i do but i feel like you know when you're growing up in the 80s and you're like oh the 70s is just a last a decade away i kind of feel that way because i don't feel like i'm older but i look in the mirror and i'm like oh my god right or just look at my kids and i'm thinking oh man
1: <laughs> you're still beautiful and young
0: well thank you thank you you're
1: young at heart
0: That's i am I <laughs>
1: That's what I saw. You're like, wait a minute. I didn't finish my sentence.
0: I just said you're beautiful. I said you're beautiful (laughs) at heart.
1: No, you are so beautiful and young. Stop. Stop. (laughs) All right,
0: let me finish this. You can get on okay. with
1: your story. I had to make light because I was getting super depressed there. I know what I, I really was.
0: I was surprised because usually I have such depressing stuff. I I it
1: really affected me. Like it I just remember like it affected me a lot because not just being a fan, but you know, even after the movie came out, yeah. that much more like you're like when you hear like I didn't even know that she or... was one of Jehovah's Witnesses and I'm I'm I just want to make this clear. I'm not one of Jehovah's Witnesses now, but I grew up right. as in a very weird household where my dad was Catholic and my mom was one of Jehovah's witnesses. So that's a longer story that I don't even want to get into <laughs> right now. <laughs> but it, it just made it made me relate to her in that way. I, I
0: totally get it, dear. I totally get it. For me, in all honesty, um, I actually, like I said, I wasn't a big fan. I remember my mom calling, my sister calling me when all this happened. And she's like, oh my God, lo mataron la cesalina. And I was just like, Okay, you know, and then seeing it on the news and so on and so forth. But in all honesty, I wasn't entrenched in that music at that time. So I could definitely, I, I can appreciate the way you're feeling and how you got choked up in regards to this. Because it's, a, it's almost taking you back to a specific moment in time. Especially right. since music is such a big part of our lives. Right. So, so um, on April 12th, 1995, two weeks after Selena's death, George W. Bush, the governor of Texas at that time, declared her birthday April 16th, Selena Day. In these in the state he said selena represented the essence of the south texan culture some european americans were kind of upset about this saying that that was actually um easter sunday and that um they were offended that that actually fell on that same day Blah, 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 blah. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Wah, 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 Pretty much.
0: On April 1st, though, Bayfront Plaza in Corpus Christi, right? Crispy. I didn't say crispy that time. Um, <laughs> crispy <laughs> cream. Bayfront Plaza. I'm thinking of donuts every time <laughs> you say that. Same. Crispy, crispy, crispy. Um, on April 1st, Bayfront Plaza in Corpus Christi held a vigil with, which drew 3,000 fans. During the event, it was announced that that a public viewing of the casket would be held at the Bayfront Auditorium the following day. Fans lined up for almost a mile. An hour before the doors were opened, rumors that the casket was empty began circulating which prompted the Quintanilla family to have an open casket viewing. About 30 to 40,000 fans passed by Selena's casket. More than 78,000 signed a book of condolences. Um, Flowers for the casket viewing were imported from the Netherlands. Um, at the request of Selena's family, video and flash photography was banned. So, on April 3rd, 1995, 600 guests, mostly mostly family members, attended Selena's bureau at Seaside Memorial Park in Corpus Christi, Texas, which was broad, broadcasted live by a Corpus Christi and San Antonio radio station without the consent of her family. A Jehovah Witnesses minister from Lake Jackson preached in English, quoting... Paul the Apostle's words in 1 Corinthians 15. Hundreds of of people began circling the area in their vehicles. The special mass held the same day at Los Angeles Sports Arena drew a crowd of 4,000. And so that was the story of the rise and unfortunate death of Selena Quintanilla.
1: So sad just hearing that story again. That's something we can all relate to, I think.
0: Yeah, girl, I hear you on that.
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to get so emotional. No,
0: that's okay. Wow. <laughs> all right. I think so. that's genuine emotion, so. I it mean was you one of all those this-
1: things like when um, Princess Diana, when she died in that car crash in that tunnel like I cried for that too anyways I'm going to try and go on to something a little bit lighter but you know I actually appreciate that you did that story because and I'm surprised that you did
0: yeah you know I act, like I said when I mentioned yesterday when we're going back and forth in our I mean I kind of looked at different things like Heritage Month Hispanic the, you know okay what's what's Hispanic and again I saw the, a lot of the different stories out there and I just didn't want to focus on the negative negative. and even right. though this is not a great story this does have a rise of somebody struggle who actually made the American dream come true, even if it was just for a bit and obviously taken away from us too early.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so my story is on El Duende. Ooh, what's that? Honestly, like, I... (laughs) You know, I was trying to keep away from La Llorona Chupu- and El, el Chupacabra. Like the <laughs> <not> the Chupacabra.
0: <laughs> Too chupa-
1: much wine. My <laughs> This is the part where we get to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> el Duende, you know, hmm. was something new to me. I never heard of this. Okay. So I learned something and hopefully everybody else will. It's a creature from Iberian, Latin American, and Filipino folklore. Um, the Spanish term Duende originated as a contraction of the phrase dueño de casa okay. or duen de casa um, which English, uh, translated okay. is possessor of a house.
0: Oh, ma.
1: <laughs> you know how I feel about the possession. <laughs> about the possession. And it was originally conceptualized as a mischievous spirit inhabiting a house.
0: Okay. Aren't they all mischievous though?
1: Yeah. So I want you in your mind no, to think of Dobie. <laughs> no,
0: from Harry Potter. Oh, okay.
1: But an evil Dobie.
0: Oh, that's not bueno. In
1: some stories, he's evil. In some stories, he's not evil. He's more of a helper. So it depends on what culture you're looking at. Okay. In a lot of the stories, he's like a cautionary tale that mothers tell, like, the cucuy for us. Yeah. Like, don't go out into the forest if you s- you're you gonna see el duende. Oh, no. And he'll take you away from us. In some Latin American cultures, duendes are believed to be helpers of people who who get lost in the forest so they can find their way home. That's the helpful el duende. Um, Mm -hmm. And others duendes are thought of as forest spirits called tata duende who lack thumbs. What? They don't have thumbs.
0: Why, Alma? Why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why? I just can't. I just can't. (laughs) No,
1: no, no, no. It gets better. Oh. So in those stories, um, going off my notes here completely, if you want to make him go away, you basically hide your thumbs from them. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought Can was very interesting. you I
0: mean, like doing quarters. <laughs> you're like the thumb master, and you're like I can't hide my thumbs. you remember like when
1: <laughs> you had that uncle that always did that like thing where he took your nose? <laughs>
0: uh, that was my dad. <laughs> He would do that to my little sister all the time. It's like, I got your nose. And she'd look at him like, what the hell just happened here?
1: Well, the opposite of that, where they hide their thumb. <laughs> okay, so like I said, the origin was that on the Iberian Peninsula, which is basically um, Spain and Portugal. Okay. He's a magical being who either did good or bad. Most often he was mischievous. He was akin to elves, woodland spirits, goblins, or leprechauns. And more goblins leprechauns more leprechauns
0: me, that, that that that's just too much man
1: did you ever watch that movie and i always say Probably this not. and i know <laughs> the answer is gonna be no <laughs> Don't be afraid of the dark. Did I watch Um, that? I think I want to say I did. Guillermo del Toro like directed it, but I know he definitely produced it.
0: (laughs) I definitely. I saw the There was one in the 70s,
1: and this is like the more modern one that I'm thinking of.
0: Oh, is this the one I think I did? Oh my god, I did see it, Alma! I did, I did. (laughs) What? (laughs) I was like, I did, I did, I did. I didn't like it. It scared me. (laughs) Yeah, it scared me too. I mean, it wasn't. I heard the 70s was scarier though. 70s version was a scarier version than the you know new one i feel like the 70s version is always scarier um, and when they
1: try to redo those stories they just don't have that atmosphere
0: no i just think because they have like a grittiness to them back in the 70s right. it was before all the high-tech computer graphics and stuff right. so they actually had to be creative and have people actually use their imaginations to kind of paint a picture so that they wouldn't have to So Absolutely. i think that's the biggest thing about the 70s um, movies that tend to creep the shit out of us so
1: one of these days we're just going to talk about movies yeah period and like how they scare the shit out of us <laughs> But yeah, I agree with you because a lot of these movies don't—they don't. They do not do not translate same the same. Effect. Yeah. But this one actually, like, it wasn't it was bad. that great of a movie, but it was—it was, it still had—it was still scary. It's still freaked me the fuck out. but that's not hard to do. So yeah. And I love any stories that like talk about goblins or fairies or anything like that. Um, there was another Del Toro movie, and it was in Spanish. The Labyrinth? Was that what it was? Was it called? in
0: Spanish though? Well, I know he did the Labyrinth, not the Labyrinth. Not like David Bowie labyrinth, but the labyrinth.
1: You look that up while we're talking.
0: Okay. De um, to 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 to.
1: Guillermo del Toro I think okay. it was
0: the labyrinth I think it was too but it just wasn't the David Bowie labyrinth
1: his movies scare the shit out of me same he did another one called the devil's backbone which was in Spanish and that one was and the orphanage oh my Girl, god
0: why anytime I do anything devil have anything if, the, if, the, if there's devil in the name I'm not watching it
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I didn't expect you to watch it but and that's because as he's you mentioned really so good in that genre I think
0: Bro, <laughs> that stuff fucking freaks me out, and that's because of the way we grew up. Because I grew up, um, Jehovah's Witness as well. That's why when almost talking about some of the like the art and so on and so forth, a lot of it was taboo because it wasn't. I won't say it was taboo, but it was. It was taboo. It was taboo. <laughs> it was
1: very taboo for us. And so,
0: it, we I think it until I was, was a little bit of older. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I was
1: a little bit more rebellious because, like I said, my dad dad was Catholic, and so we had that split household. I got away with some things. And I was a little bit of a a rebel. <laughs> a little bit? <laughs> I think little, you were a lot of rebel, almost. Just a little bit of a rebel.
0: So, kind of like, I'm totally going to piggyback for a second um, off your story in regards to movies. So, when I was younger... Um, I didn't have a whole lot of friends, I hung out with a lot of cousins. So we'd have a lot of sleepovers at my dad's house because mom and dad were separated, so I would have slumber parties and invite all my cousins, which were like four, and so <laughs> yeah. and my, you were like, I don't, I was like, uh, yeah, nine or ten, so something like that. So we just so my dad picks us all up. We go to Art Video because that was the local fucking VHS video Shut store. <laughs> yes. Art Video, Art Video. It was where, in
1: Avondale. There's, there's, no, okay, I can understand Rattlesnake Video or <laughs> Scorpion Video. Their
0: name. We don't but have art, art Bark
1: videos. Art Barks here in Arizona.
0: <laughs> Where did that even go? I don't even know it, But girl we went there. So he would be like you little girls going to shut <laughs> up. I'm gonna buy some pizza, pick out the movies you want. So I obviously went to the horror genre because my mom and dad were separated so I could watch whatever I wanted. And um, so it's we'd pick our little ones here me. and there, right? I'm just saying. I There was a time where I loved scary movies. And something happened and freaked me out. Okay. So we'll talk about That's not a whole other story, but what's up? <laughs> So anyways, so we get these movies, take them to my dad's house. We put one in because my cousin thought it was a funny Cover. So we're sitting there, and there's this guy and this girl, you know, running, 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 running in the forest, running, running, and the camera pans and continues to pan down. Someone's running, free balling it. What? (laughs) So I was like, what movie was this? It was called The Boob (laughs) 2.
1: You were in the no, wrong section. we little girls. <laughs> and
0: my cousin's like, we're all sitting there and we're expecting them oh, to do. Oh,
1: shit. What
0: section I did totally you get Totally 80s movie, movie. I don't even know. But it wasn't like behind a curtain kind of movie. It was it called was The just Boob Tube? A boob, it was called The Boob Tube. And so we... Um, oh, wow. So I was like, so we're expecting it. You know, like every 80s movie starts off kind of silly. Girl, we got full from, I think it was the first time I've ever seen a penis in my life and it was running. It was running in slow-mo and so I looked at her when I over there. Was it
1: everything you expected?
0: <laughs> I was like, huh? Well, is that what it looks like? But it wasn't because my cousin Veronica was like, try it out, try it out because she's a couple years younger than us. Oh my so, God, she's like, what <laughs> is that thing? Me and Roseanne run Turn it off. Take the video out, and we're like, let's go do something else. <laughs> so we were all fucked up, and so, anyways, my dad comes up to the next oh room my God. <laughs> Girls, it was a whole seventies bush and all, so it was that made like the penis look smaller than it really is. So it's like a little mushroom. <laughs> so
1: weird. Aren't they all? <laughs>
0: Was big. It was so big. Uh, <laughs> wow. I don't know we I don't know how we got away from your story, but I just thought of that. My dad opens the door the next day super bad. Did you you girls watching a dirty movie? You have
1: Flori put this boot there and then starts it and the first thing she
0: sees is this mushroom. It's a big patch of hair running down the way.
1: I don't know how we got here, but I needed that. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. Oh, my God. My, I mean, so, had, so you can imagine me 9 years old, 10 years old, trying to explain to my dad. No, dad. We saw it. We turned it off. We stuck it on top of the VCR. We freaked out, went to our room, and played a different game. Trust me. I'm traumatized
1: for life. I'm being punished in ways you have no
0: idea. <laughs> Uh, there you go, mama. <laughs> I don't know how I even got to that point. I know, we were talking Scary about movies. movies boop tube, and all, it just, okay. it just, it veered. So I was talking
1: about the labyrinth.
0: All right. Oh, I was looking that up.
1: Also, <laughs> we always go down these rabbit holes. Also, like, what came to mind was the Babadook. Oh, okay. Did you see that?
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, we'll stick with um, the labyrinth. It's and, not Benicino and, del Toro, it's, who is it? What, The Labyrinth? Yeah. It is Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo is a
0: Benicino. <laughs> <laughs> He's a mumbling director. <laughs> oh,
1: so, anyways, like I said, um, the origin was Iberian. He was a magical being who either did a did good or bad. Most often, he was mischievous. Um, similar folk. Oh, Pan's what? Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Of course. Uh, uh, I love that movie. I've never seen it. You should watch that movie. No thanks. I,
0: <laughs> honestly,
1: like I think you would just appreciate the storytelling. I heard of the, the visuals
0: are amazing. They are.
1: They are. Okay. So similar folklore. Okay. While its nature varies throughout Portugal, Brazil, Spain, Spanish-speaking America, and the Philippines, analogs from other cultures include the Danish-Norwegian Nisi. I don't know if that's how you say it, Nis, N-I-S-S-E. The French Luton, or Lutin, and Nain Rouge, Rouge, the Irish Clurichan, or Leprechaun, and fair de Rigue. the manx oh my god Goes it, on and this on. is
0: like it's like pronouncing on phonics can you just say it to me phonetically i'm sorry
1: everybody who's listening to this right now okay I Alma
0: drank a little bit i don't think you ate enough either no i did not have some more obviously my dear.
1: not because i like started crying when you were talking about selena i started like almost sobbing oh i should have did richie <laughs> balance sorry take that off. it's out. okay no <laughs> No, 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 no! It was good. That, I was actually like surprised that you went there, and pleasantly surprised. Good.
0: It's a white desk, man. Wine falls, it stains. I'm uh, no, 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 no. i No, no, no! I appreciate you. Cleaning <laughs> You're like, you know what that does to my fucking sound, though. <laughs> it's like, dum, 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 dum. All
1: right, uh, the French Lutine, the Nain Rouge, the Irish chan or Leprechaun. And Fair Derig, um, the Manx Fenno Diary and the Moinger Vegay or Vijay, <laughs> <laughs> did, did <laughs> No matter how I say that it, It's gonna sound bad. Like Vijay J. <laughs> the Scottish English brownie, the Welsh tw- till with I think they were eating head. brownies. <laughs> And the Swedish Tomty.
0: So it reminds me a little bit of the. Oh my God, I had it in my brain. I just fell out right out. Um, (laughs) That happens more often than not when I'm drinking wine. The fairies in the Scottish. Yeah.
1: Like, or brownies. Or what
0: were they called in Outlander though? Fairies. Were they called? They were called yeah. fairies, but I thought yeah. they were calling specific like the fairy fairies. hills. Yeah.
1: Okay, so I was reading and I didn't write them down in here, but like in the Filipino stories, okay. one of the things is that not to kick anthills because they could be fairy hills.
0: Oh.
1: They could be, and they call them Elduin as well. Really? Yeah. Well, its nature varies through port. Okay, I already read, read all of that and I don't want to have to go through it again. As the Spanish and Portuguese colonists began expanding their empire, empire into new, the New World and beyond, they spread stories of El Duende to the indigenous people. And as a result, El Duende became a worldwide phenomenon, oh. um, who supplanted or was combined with folklore from indigenous people of Latin and South America, the Philippines, and Guam. Um, according to some tales, this elf-like creature either dwelled in the forest or lived inside children's bedroom walls.
0: Fuck that noise, what'd you say? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Exactly no, no. what you heard, and
1: I have a, no, uh, no, a hand like,
0: account at the end of this if somebody's seriously gonna be knocking on a wall inside the wall burn the house down i'm just saying that right now
1: sometimes it's heard as laughter or (laughs) okay never mind no go ahead i'll get into that i'll get into it later anyway so it is said that when the opportunity arrives Duende will lead children deep into the forest to his cave or will come out of the walls to clumsily clip sleeping children's toenails and get this most often taking the entire toe off. So that, that's some clumsy ass. There?
0: You know, only thing I can the, like the image that I have that you're telling me is remember in Nightmare on Elm Street when Freddy Krueger like stretches the wall. Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of. I don't know why.
1: Ugh. So what kind of toenail clippers were they
0: using? That They're they teethifics. They're rotten. I mean, apparently scraggly they were just using teefuses. either scissors. I'm telling you, almost teeth. Teeth. Teethifics. They, they were using their teeth.
1: They were using their teeth. the same entity that is viewed as evil and or mischievous by some is considered a good spirit who protects lost hikers children and critters lost in the forest and i've kind of said that before there are those that report that El Duende is an actual creature akin to famous cryptids such as chupacabras, Bigfoot, um, lurking in the night throughout the countryside. So more than just a legend, but actually something a little bit more tangible than a legend. Okay. Um, in Belize, the description of the creatures were f- that of being three or four foot tall with heavy shoulders, long arms, brown hair, flat yellowish faces, their long hair going down their back of their neck neck and back it's freaky as hell although the origins can be traced back to the iberian peninsula native cultures also had their own accounts um mayans believed in a deity that looked like a very small man wearing a big hat and and a lot of the stories he has a big hat really yeah and so like the mayans their big hat guy um according to their <laughs> myths this deity you roam the the forest being supposedly this being supposedly came out of hiding to place gifts before temples. He is also known to whistle. Whistle was he? Yeah. A, wow, usually strolling through the forest, as legend has oh it. Oh my
0: god, I'm sorry, I just thought of Snow White. <laughs> He's like, Hi, ho, hi, ho. Oh wow,
1: that just reminded me of our adventure. <laughs> um, That's- I should post that. <laughs> A little um, video that her husband made when we went up to have a surprise falls. Um, it was the way back. On the way back, <laughs> it was. A, it's a great video. It's a struggle. It was a struggle. We'll talk about that later. Like I said, he's also known to whistle usually while strolling through the forest. And as legend has it, if one were to hear him whistle, he or she better get out of the forest or be lost forever. Oh no. He's also said to have a cane or a long beard, which makes me totally think of baby Gandalf. (laughs) (laughs) Just like this tiny little Gandalf, like a hobbit Gandalf. He's not the tall guy. He's the short guy. Um, also, he had no thumbs, like I said before. In fact, in Belize, legend has it that children can escape from Duende by hiding their thumbs um, in the palm of their hands. This will trick him into believing that the children were related to him in some fashion.
0: That is strange as hell.
1: So you're one of my people.
0: So <laughs> I'm going to no let thumbs. you go
1: so, since you don't have any thumbs. Look, I have no thumbs.
0: <laughs> well, it
1: seems like an easy escape. <laughs> <laughs> you you like, trick him like... all right um encounters i'm gonna tell two stories all right i wrote a couple but i didn't realize how long we were gonna run here this one i got on reddit it says "While i was four or five at the time and i was playing hide and seek with the children my mom used to babysit i decided to hide at the side of my bed which was right next to a wall while i was hiding i had one of my legs under the bed At this moment I felt great pain in my leg. It felt as if someone grabbed it in a very forceful way. I remember looking under the bed right away and seeing nothing but still feeling that force on my leg. So I kicked in the direction. I felt the force was coming from. The force, like Star Wars? As soon as I did that, I felt relief in my leg and quickly ran away. Maybe her leg was stuck to the bed. Dude,
0: that's freaking me out. Like, if somebody be touching my feet and I'm I'm looking across the table and there's there's nobody there, I'm just like, what the hell? No, no,
1: no, no, no. Any little thing will freak you out when you're like in the dark and you're trying to get away from something. But okay. So as soon as I did, I felt that relief in my leg and quickly ran away. I ran to my dad and told him what had happened, but he said it was just my imagination. So as soon as he told me that, I showed him my leg, which had a clear mark, which looked like a really small hand had made
0: it. (gasps) Okay, that's creepy. That is fucking scary as hell. How small was his hand? (laughs) (laughs) Was it like a little doll hand? (laughs) <laughs> was it was like a quarter size.
1: <laughs> it was tiny. It was a tiny little hand.
0: You know that dad was like,
1: fucking go away. It's fine. Like, okay, you're fine. You just got your legs stuck on something, something. under your bed. Okay we never really spoke about it until years later when i asked him if he remembered what had happened to me that's when my dad explained to me what might have been and what had attacked me my family comes from mexico where the belief of duendes or gnomes elves is very strong Duendas are small humanoid creatures that enjoy the company of children, but are very aggressive towards them. They kidnap these children and force them to become their playmates. And if these children don't meet their standards, they brutally hurt them. Ooh. Girl,
0: kick gnomes. No, 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 no. They're small
1: enough. Kick them. Kick them. Punch them. <laughs> Girl, I don't in their like face.
0: gnomes. I don't like elves. I don't like any of those sort of stuff. And I know there's like a big liking for them, little statues, but that's a negative. That's a nice. <laughs> It's small
1: enough to in the face. All right. My dad believes that maybe one of these duendas was trying to get me but failed when I managed to fight back and escape. He states that the reason I didn't see it was because I was a child with, strong, with a strong soul. And that was not meant to be taken this, by this thing. Therefore, I was granted with the ability to see this thing. So I'm not sure I believe in everything my dad told me. But I do know what happened to me is a thing I will never forget. Okay.
0: And I think there's just those certain things in life, even as a kid, that actually they feel like yesterday, that they have a very lasting um, imprint on your memory. Right. And so I can just imagine how she would have felt. She could probably even feel that same feeling on her leg or whatever the case may be, just because if it's something that again has been something that she could recollect very clearly it's probably something that stayed in her memory for a while right so and this next story
1: I got off of uh, YouTube okay and I heard this story um, yesterday actually while I was doing my research and I was trying to find the written version of
0: (laughs) I think Omar had some wine (laughs) it's a viewkin (laughs) the
1: written version not the written version (laughs) Okay, um, but I couldn't find it. So today I painstakingly this morning played it bit by bit. Bit by <laughs> bit. <laughs> I can no longer speak and articulate. And that's when the wine has completely taken effect. <laughs> if you have not been listening to us thus far, you can completely understand where we're coming from <laughs> if you have drank a whole bottle of wine.
0: Yay hey, chili. Yay <laughs> hey, chili and your
1: Chilean wine and momentos. Momentos.
0: It's, I, I like, like it. It's not bad. I like dry wines so, though. So and I don't like I it. do
1: at this point in the podcast, I say, this is a really good wine.
0: <laughs> it is a really good wine.
1: So far, I have not met a, my, a wine that I do not like, <laughs> except for
0: 19 no. Crimes. That wine oh tastes my like so, shit to me. On a whole different level, i saw sorry, because I'm going to totally forget this in a minute, is that, so when I typed in Mexican wines, is it weird that 19 Crimes came up every single time and it's not a Mexican wine? That's weird. Right?
1: <laughs> okay. I'm not even going to comment on that right now. <laughs> Because we're trying to keep this light and not political. (laughs) You might have to cut that part out. uh, No, I'm not. I'm not going to cut it out. So anyways, so I found this story and I painstakingly typed it out this morning because it just got to me yesterday. Okay. I I wanted to find something similar and nothing that got to me like this story did. Okay. All right. And there's just those stories that do, so I'm all ears. It's only titled as um, Miguel's Story. Okay. Of the duende. Anyways I will tell Miguel's story. Um, It's a story of his grandfather who told him a story of his encounter with the duende as a young boy. He would tell him how lucky he was to grow up in America and then he would say at least they didn't have the duende in America. The first time he heard him say that, he asked, what are the Duende, Grandpa? All right, now I'm going to tell it from his point of view. Okay. He told me, but not before showing me his foot. It was his right foot. Now, Grandpa almost always wore boots. He never took them off when he entered the house, and he would only take them off if he was going to bed or going to take a shower. But on this occasion, he made a special request. He took off his right boot and showed me right away i noticed it and nearly threw up seeing my face he said to me it's all right he said it was okay to react that way he was talking about his big toe the top half of which was missing in an almost perfectly cut straight line part of me wanted to touch it and the other part of me wanted to run into the kitchen and grab my mom (laughs) i would probably want to just run in the bathroom and hide i asked him does it hurt and he said no But way back when it first happened, it definitely did. He said it hurt for a couple of months, even until it healed and got calloused. Of course, completely curious and intrigued, I asked my grandfather how it happened and he reminded me the duende, my child. He then went on to tell me the experience he had with the supposed duende. My grandfather at the time of this story was 11 years old and still very much a child, despite the hard work he performed on a day-to-day basis. Now it started one night, just out of nowhere, it seemed my grandpa had begun to hear noises in the walls, noises that sounded like people whispering people laughing here and there. First time he heard it he yelled for his mother and father and when they came in to check on him they quickly disbelieved him. My grandpa quickly realized that he was alone in this so in the coming days he actually had some free time. He walked a couple of miles to his aunt's house because his aunt had a lot of books and she was a a superstitious woman (laughs) not superstitious. (laughs) I am sorry. (laughs) That's me apologizing. All right. He explained his experience to her and how they came back every night, the whispering and laughter. And she asked him a few questions. She wanted to know if he was wide awake when it happened. And he said, yes, she described them to him as little people, fairies, mischievous that were often nice. And my grandpa being naive, probably because of his age, was smiling at this point he said he remembered being so excited just the thought of magical creatures living alongside him in his walls but seeing the smile on his face his aunt warned him saying that he can't really know what kind of creatures they really are and this was just a guess she was sure to tell him before he left if they truly were duende they could never be trusted. Not taking this to heart, my grandfather quickly returned home and helped his father with the few remaining chores. Then that night, when his parents had gone to bed, my grandfather got out of bed and began to tap on the walls and he would whisper, I can hear you. Are you there? Oh, no, I seriously just can't even. You just freak me out right now. He says that's when he heard the tapping back from something in the wall. <laughs> oh, no, no,
0: no, no, no.
1: He was all giddy. He said he asked them if they wanted to be friends and he told them that they could come out at any time that they wanted and that they were welcome in his home. He said that's that was his mistake, claiming the place he lived in had been his property. Apparently, they were very territorial creatures. Whatever was in his walls didn't take that kindly and the laughing turned to snarling and my grandpa suddenly, afraid, quickly curled up in his bed. And could only go back to sleep when everything got quiet again. Well, that would freak me out. I don't don't even care.
0: I would seriously go to my parents' room, and if they said, "Get out of here," I'd be like, "What you? I'm sitting right here." I'll sleep on the floor, right
1: by the foot of your bed. You (laughs) won't even know. Although
0: my kids never had that problem because even though would be like, "Go away," they would just come to my side, and I'm like, "Scoot."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Same for my kids. I remember one time um, Serena and her best friend Anna, Anna Banana, Anna Banana. If you're listening, she's an Afghan stand right now Aww. she's stationed out there in the army i remember they must have been telling scary stories and i woke up in the middle of the night and they were both like on the side of my bed oh, shit. <laughs> they had laid out cushions from the
0: couch and were sleeping right next to me on the floor holy shit so, Go i feel I, you on that by the way thank you for your service anna
1: Yes, we love you and we miss you. Where was I? So
0: the snarling stopped. He
1: couldn't sleep. So in the morning, he realized just how dire the consequences were. When he woke up, he noticed that his foot was moist and there was a deep stinging sensation in one of his toes. He quickly pulled the sheets away and saw that the top half of his big toe on the right foot was missing. Oh, no. Not to mention that his toenails had been cut on all of his toes.
0: Oh, God. No. <laughs> no, no. I just uh, can't even.
1: He screamed and in came his father and his mother. He screamed after seeing the toe. Somebody bit me. I would have felt that. And I would have been screaming immediately. I don't know that they bit him. They clipped his toes. They, they clipped his toe. They, <laughs> even his toenails. They, have, they, they took off his whole just toe. They part of his
0: toe. I'd be like, ah, ah.
1: No. so would i Fuck
0: that no i mean and
1: blood everywhere
0: Ugh. that girl no, no i would no, no, have fainted no, no. actually <laughs> i know right oh my god i big old chicken shit i'd be like oh <laughs> you would have heard this because i would have fallen hit my head likely because my head's heavy
1: i see you shorty but you're not allowed out of the room until we're done you wanted to be in here
0: see how mean she is shorty
1: i'm a mean mommy okay so he screamed and in came his father and his mother he said he, he remembered the look on both of their faces there was nothing to disbelieve now his mother began crying <laughs> <laughs>
0: someone's knocking on your on your wall alma
1: that was shorty she's trying to shake this story off she's like this is making me she's nervous like, she
0: i feel you Shorty. i feel the same man <laughs>
1: I want to see where my toes are at at all times. Um, his mother began crying and his father was shaking and grabbing him by the shoulders, asking him why he did this to himself. I
0: do it to myself. <laughs> what kind of fucked up shit is that? Yeah, yeah that's
1: what I did. I had an accident while cutting cutting my toenails. And then I went straight to sleep and <laughs> <laughs> woke up in this bloody mess that I am now. And when he explained to them what he thought had happened, they looked at him like he was crazy and assumed that he had hurt himself. But they were simply in denial. For the next few months, he stayed in bed and his father was angry because he no longer had the help around the farm, oh, p- tore down the bedroom walls where he claimed to have heard the duende, just to show my grandpa that nothing was there. Apparently, that was enough to scare them away, because my grandfather never heard from the duende after that. I mean, obviously, they'd right. already done what they
0: wanted to do. They took a piece of chunk and...
1: Oh. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> but still, he feels an ache in his toes whenever he thinks about the duende and he
0: swears deep down to his very soul that he knows it was the Duende. Girl, that's not good. So you wanna hear something a little bit, as you're mentioning this, this is kind of going through my mind. I know we're going long, so I'm trying to make it as short as I can. Um, Growing up, you know, we all have those um, stories from our grandparents and so on and so forth. So my great grandmother had 11 kids. Um, so one of them was sleeping with her one, one night. And so um, asleep, she felt somebody tugging at her toe. God! And so um, she figured she was just imagining it, turned around, grabbed her son, flipped him over to the side. You know what I mean? She wanted to get comfortable. She flipped her son over. Like to she the flipped side? over to the other side of the of the mat, of oh. the other side of hers, you know, because he was sleeping in the same. Oh bed. okay. So, I'm like, why? Why? Was she, she using him as a pillow, and she wanted the cold side. <laughs> no, they were just all in the same bed, I'm so just, you know he probably went to sleep with it, her I in the middle of the night. <laughs> so she was like, "Fuck, okay," flipped him over. So as um she's right about to fall asleep, all she hears is her son say, "Mama, mama, alguien me está jalando el pie." which means mom mom somebody's pulling my toes so as you're telling me this story i just can't get this story out of my mind was it El Duende? oh could be girl or it was one of her kids fucking with them i couldn't tell you but it it, seriously it freaked her out would freak me out too
1: (laughs) i mean you know growing up being a kid that's like one of your worst nightmares is like hanging like a foot or an arm off of the bed and just thinking about something under the bed, reaching for your arm and grabbing it. Like, I had a very overactive imagination. And so that was a huge and very real fear of
0: mine. <laughs> I think we all were that way, though, because I sometimes still have the same thing. I'll look yeah. at my bed. I'm like, oh. Put your arm, recoil it back to the cover. <laughs> well, no, because Bella's there. So she's usually the, get me up. I want to sleep with you. So anyways, aside from that.
1: Sometimes I'll hang my, or the bed and um, the dogs will lick it. Because they want to go outside. And that freaks me out. (laughs) Like, "Ah!" Oh, it's just you, Shorty.
0: It's fine, Sorry. fine,
1: fine. Well, Shorty's like literally in my lap right now begging to, to get leave. out of the room. That's pretty much our show tonight.
0: Yeah, definitely. We drank a little bit probably earlier than we hey. wanted to, but it was fun. It was fun. It was fun going down memory lane. Definitely.
1: Thank you guys for
0: watching or... For lasting this wait, long. Wait, 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 wait. wait <laughs> let me start that over. This is real This is real tipsy tonight. Almost Super, just like... super, super tipsy. <laughs>
1: She made me want to drink with her Selena story. I know. <laughs> I didn't get
0: any of your water either. I know. So anyways, I... so this is definitely the end of uh, our story. Thank you for all hanging in there with us. And we look forward uh, to entertaining you next week with another Tipsy Tale. And you guys have a good night. This is Yvette. This is Alma. And we're Tipsy Tales. Good night. Good night.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Tipsy Tales. Music by Jesse Biscayta. Artwork by Sergio Hernandez. And if you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to rate and review. Thanks.